Hi, welcome to Comics Unscripted, the podcast from Foreign Press Comics. I'm your host, Kyler Merrill, and today we have Mario Cesar. Uh, sorry if I, I... I'm sorry. I hope I didn't mess up. Perfect. It's perfect. Um, yeah, so um, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks. I'm really glad to be here. Good. I'm, I'm glad to be here, too. Um, this is the first interview I've had in, um, I don't know, three or four weeks. So I usually oh. record them all, like, in advance. And so mm-hmm. I've been releasing them all, and then finally I have to, like... But now I have to record, like five in a row over the next two weeks two or three weeks so you know it'll be pretty good but um i didn't i didn't get to this at the top i forgot for some reason uh mario is the writer and artist on um blessed cure it's um a graphic novel coming from soaring penguin press it's coming out it's out digitally now you can get it in print on their website it'll be coming out in may so um yeah that's what we're here to talk about um but what um I guess we can go ahead and jump right into it. Um, what's kind of your, um, tell us a little bit about you, about who you are and your kind of origins um, as a creator. Well, um, I'm a cartoonist from Brazil. And I was born in Brasilia, which is the capital of Brazil. And um, I don't know, I studied graphic design, but then I saw that uh, comics were my passion. So I went to it. I decided to, to, to dedicate my professional career uh, to comics. And then I started publishing comics in 2006 here in Brazil. And I never stopped since then. Well, my, I only started making LGBTQ plus uh, comics in 2013. Okay. Because I wasn't like open gay to everybody at the time. I had to take my time to like to get out of the closet and stuff like that to get secure enough, uh, confident enough to to speak about it to everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just made into my like when I was in my early twenties, there was I was I had the confidence to do that. And then I published my first comic book um, with this talking about uh, sexuality and gender. Uh, which was called The Dance of Loneliness. And it was actually one of the first uh, comic books here in Brazil made by an openly openly gay author that was published by uh, the Brazil here. Uh, we had uh, other cartoonists here, but there was like um, uh, an author called Anita who She's lesbian and she she makes some comic strips uh, in the 90s. But uh, after that, we didn't get any representation in in Brazilian comics. And I was like the first openly gay man to do that. And it's crazy because it's like just 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I haven't stopped stopped since, you know. And, And later, I also started a comic book convention of my own, with in which only queer authors uh, attend there, you know, mm-hmm. it's called POCCOM, POC, yeah. like it, it has a different meaning in, in Portuguese, then uh-huh. I can talk about it later. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say, that's what I was just checking on my phone, I was like, I know he has a convention, so I was trying to figure out, find the name of yeah. it, so I have it for later, <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Um, 
I really I find all that really interesting, and I want to get to a lot of those details. I want to talk about you, and I want to talk about the book, and and um, how you kind of develop past that. But um, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, can you kind of give a lowdown, a a summary, real quick of of what Blessed Cure is, because well, but- it's um a book that is it touches on a lot of the subjects that you just mentioned. It seems very um, uh, vulnerable, but why don't you go ahead and start by just giving a quick little rundown of what the book's about. Well, Blessed Cure tells the story of this fictional character called Acacio de Nascimento. Uh, and his parents doesn't accept that he may be gay, and they started subjecting him to several sexual conversion therapies his life like he started when he was just a kid just five years old and then i tell the story of this character it starts like in the 60s and in brazil we were living under a military dictatorship i also put something about that in the book and the story goes to uh, to the present you know to, to, mm-hmm. to today and i tell the this journey of his acceptance as what he are, what he is, mm-hmm. and that's what the book's about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you did a perfect job of, of understanding it, of, of mentioning it. But um, I, I, I just have a small question. Um, like mm-hmm. I, I mentioned, um, I think it was earlier. I don't, know, I don't remember if we were recording or not, but um, I speak like the tiniest bit of Spanish, and so like. And this because this might be completely off base, and I might edit all this out later. Um, mm-hmm. Does his does Acasio's last name have any significance to like the story at all, or is that because I don't I don't know if it, I can't remember the word, but there's a word that it reminded me of that I was like, is that it, did his is his name like significant at all, or is it just kind of just that's a name? It has a significance, significance, okay. uh, a meaning because uh, when I, I was creating this story, I want a name that has a meaning. Uh, but it's quite subtle. Uh, Acacio, uh, the, the name itself, it means uh, something that is pure, you know, something okay. who is naive, something yeah. like that. And because that, that his story, like I, I said, it started with his parents sent him to therapy when he was five years old, like, for Christ's sake. And you're the first person who asked me that. You know? <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Um, and it has his meaning. What about the, the last name as well, or is that just... Uh, the last name is Nascimento, which means... Uh, by, uh, Nascimento is birth. Uh-huh, so yeah, that's, okay, that's kind of what I was thinking. Birth. Yeah. Okay, that's, there, that's, that's kind of what... I knew it had something to do with birth. I didn't want to get that wrong. I'm, my high yeah. school Spanish is paying off here. <laughs> um, uh, right. and, and also... It has a meaning because he he's gay. Like he was born. Yes, exactly. He's not gay. He's not sick because he's gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's like the meaning of the name. That's really beautiful. I I really like that. I, I love when creators put small details like that into their stories because it adds so much like depth to it. And and that's kind of one thing I did want to ask you about. Um, I uh, what percentage? Um, you don't have to give me a number, but um like of this story is autobiographical because I don't think from what I can tell that you were 
that old. So <laughs> no, no, this story is fictional, but yeah. I I based it on research. Okay, uh, a lot of of um, documentaries and stories that I read in newspapers and things like that, and also I also read some. Oh, I forgot the word. Left, but like there were stories in, in the press that people telling mm -hmm. what they went through. Yeah. And I based myself on that. There is some like little details here and there that are things that I live. That, mm -hmm. that, like there is a, a, a phrase that Akasu's father says in some part of the story that he says like, um, in my family, we didn't, don't have, didn't have any gays. We have thieves, we have hookers, but we never had gays. Like that was something that I heard from my father. Mm, okay. Like he, we we were at a bar with his friends, and then he said that was like, oh my god, what am I here? <laughs> if yeah. he only knew. <laughs> yeah, that, that and that is a quote from the story that that stuck with me. I don't think I could have quoted it directly, but like that sentiment of like, you know, we like my family, we have thieves, we have whatever, but we never had. Yeah. Uh, like, we never had a gay. We never had a. And you use other words in the in the book that you know are more charged more you know mm -hmm. controversial than um than that and you know i so I, I feel weird saying that but um <laughs> like um what's it like or how what's the process like for including something that is we we established that it's not autobiographical you base this on a lot of research but mm -hmm. you have included your own things but at some level because you're writing about something that is very personal to you and in a way true to your life, um, mm -hmm. just in terms of like thematically, how is it including that level of vulnerability? Because I would imagine, I know that you're, you mentioned that you came out and things like that, but I still imagine that there's a level of vulnerability to putting something like this into a story. Um, so what was that like as far as making like these, this level of like, and not just your story, but kind of the collective story of the queer community in Brazil out there yeah it was like very emotional to me to, to write this sometimes i was like oh my god what, what am i writing about mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but it was something that i needed to, to put in the world you know i had mm -hmm. to talk about these issues it's something that i went through with my family i went through those things at school i went through this at, at work environment and we had to talk about it you know, mm -hmm. and it was something that was I had to release out of my chest, definitely. And it was very emotional, some parts to do, although it's most of it is fictional, but it's very reality based. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think people really connect to the story because of that. You know? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm telling you like how things are in the world. It's a mm -hmm. fictional story, but it talks about the world we live in. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think that a big part of that, and I, that I think connects it to other places, and um, like is obviously there's not a lot of acceptance for queer people across the globe. So that's something that's going to be a common thread. But mm -hmm. I feel like, and maybe it's a lot for where I live. I'm not gay. I'm not, but you know, I still have seen. I know people who are. And have seen them deal because I'm from Oklahoma, so it's in a very 
I guess some people would consider it the Bible Belt. So the religion aspect of it is a big thing for what I've mm-hmm. seen and like seeing other people, like I said, other queer people who I know deal with issues with that. And so you include a lot of that in your story. Mm-hmm. So like it, you include a lot of that in Blessed Cure. So I want to know like what role did that play into your into Mario's story? If you oh. don't mind. Um, I, I, I lost myself a little bit here, but um, I don't know. Because uh, I talk about these issues, I know that like in Brazil, this conversion therapy, mm-hmm. they are forbidden since 1999. But they're still going on in some places, like kind of churches, they, they, they do that, and they call it the freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. But they are actually trying to get money out of people because they, they don't understand these things. And But I know that like in the United States, several they are still allowed. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting to see how this story is going to be lived in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, I was just wondering, like, um, like, was there with you, per- with you personally? And if, if you don't want to answer, that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to get too personal or get too up in your business. So, um, but I'm just curious, like, as someone who was raised very, very devoutly religious. Um, like, were you also, and like, did you have a lot of pressure on that front yourself? Oh, yes. Like, like I said, my, my family is very Catholic. It was very hard to open up about these things to my, to my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, um, like I said, I only opened up about it in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And after I was not like living at home, I was living by myself. Yeah. So that was part of the process to get the confidence to okay, I can do this. Because there was this fear that if you, you're not going to be accepted by your own parents, by your own family, by your friends, that you're not going to be accepted in, at your work. Mm-hmm. Because if you, you say, hey, I'm gay, and then people start looking at you differently. You know? mm-hmm. They're like, I'm the same person. <laughs> they yep. don't change anything for you. Uh, mm-hmm. But we, we were very afraid. Uh, I think today for many people, like this is easier to do because we have a lot of development and we talk about, more about these issues. But when I grew up, uh, I didn't have many uh, books like Blessed Cure to say, like, you are normal. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Uh, we didn't get much representation when I, when I was growing up. You know, the only gay representations that I had in television, in movies, and, and etc. were like the gay who get AIDS and die, or the gay mm-hmm. who, who gets beaten to death, or the gay that everybody's laughing at him because he's gay. Mm-hmm. This was yeah. the reference. Like, it, this kind of thing really messes up with your mind. Because, like, I, I don't want to be like a clown. I don't want to be disrespected. Mm-hmm. I want to be respected like everyone. I want to get the same chances mm-hmm. and to, to get the same opportunities. I don't want to be judged differently just because I like men and, and not women. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, so it, was, it was very hard. Uh, but as I grew up, I got the confidence to, mm-hmm. to be open. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm not. I don't. I feel weird talking about this because i don't want to feel like i'm speaking for anyone or anyone else's Mm -hmm. anyone's experience but 
just from what I can imagine, from what I've heard from other people, like there's like you were talking about representation in media and like a lot of it is in gay characters in movies and TV shows are very much a stereotype, especially mm-hmm. back in the eighties or nineties, very, you know, flamboyant feminine type things. Whereas that's not, you know, and that's something that I'm still having to, sorry, my cats are, <laughs> um, anyway, I hope my mic didn't pick that up, but that's like, it's something that I'm still having to, you know, myself, like tell myself, and I'm trying to, you know, I don't know, fight back against like the cultural things that have kind of been ingrained in me. Is mm-hmm. it not every gay person has to like this? Like you can have a gay who, you know, someone who's super masculine yeah. or and likes comic books or likes this. And, mm-hmm. you know, there isn't, it's not always like that. And so I don't know if that really adds to it. I feel like I'm just kind of speaking for you and I'm not, or for other people. And I'm not trying to do that. I just, that's just what I've observed in my experience and part of that. Yeah, like each person is different from one another. It's something that it, it really got better these days when you watch like Netflix and all these streams, they have more LGBT plus representation. And there was actually a, a research that, that came to the conclusion that like many people are dealing with this term better because like oh it's like that it's not an, an alien a person <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they know how they understand more things because we are seeing this on tv shows and stuff like that and stuff like that and that's why representation is is, is so important you know everybody needs a, like a, a role model as you grow up like okay yeah. i can because you know that there's role models for for white cisgender straight men to be yeah. anything. Like, if you're a straight cisgender man, you, you think you can be anything because you <laughs> see that exactly. everywhere. You always see white yeah. men saving the world and doing great things in movement, etc. But you don't see many women, many people of color, LGBT people doing those kind of things. And that messes. Like like I said, it it, it it messes with your mind because sometimes you think you can't occupy certain places, you can't do a certain job because oh no, this is a job for a man, this is a job for a woman. We mm-hmm. we grow up with these crazy definitions, you know. And when you see something that's well built, that is honest, and mm-hmm. you can see yourself there. Okay, I can do this mm-hmm. because. Someone else did, you know. Yeah, that's that's the representation thing. It's something that I try to I try to tell my parents all the time, just because mm-hmm. you know they're like I said, they're very conservative Christian people, and mm-hmm. like it's I'm not, and so uh, <laughs> they, you know, it's and because I'm a I'm a teacher, and so I like to include like different sorts of representation in my like the books I have in my classroom, and like mm-hmm. then you know we have politicians want to ban all these books, and I'm not I'm not going to get into uh, all that, but. <laughs> Oh, it's I'm just sorry. like when I've had conversations with my parents, like exactly, yeah, it's it sucks, and I'm telling them I'm like, no, like these things matter. They need to see that a black woman could be an astronaut, you know, because mm-hmm. in my class we just read about Mae Jemison. She was a NASA astronaut, but anyway, um, it's just important for them to see that stuff. And so I'm always trying to convince um, other people like that. And not that my parents are bad people; they're not, but. Mm-hmm. This isn't just for you. This is for anyone listening. My parents aren't bad people. They're cool people. They just, you know, 
were raised a certain way, and it's yeah, so I'm because to tell them that way. They tell like LGBTQ people are a threat. They grow up with mm-hmm. people telling them that, but mm-hmm. when they get in touch with actual LGBTQ people, they just say that yeah. that's not true. They're just people. You know, there's good people. There's bad people. There's crazy yeah. people. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's something that you um. That's something that you you do a lot of in the book is that like is it it that's conveyed really well is that people don't just view like Acasio not when he's like because he doesn't come out until later in the story but even all the time there's several points throughout the story where he's like um, confronted with his sexuality and mm-hmm. at all those points it's like he they everyone treats it like it's not just like it's a like it's a sin or anything like that, but like he's truly like a villain. You know, like he's a like a just a terrible person for yeah. that. And you convey that really well. Like, and Acasio himself has like a lot of I don't know feelings about that, which is really interesting to read. Yeah, it's like when you grow up uh, with people telling you that being homosexual is a sin, being homosexual is wrong, homosexuals are a threat to the family. You internalize that homophobia, and that's mm-hmm. what I like. That's what I'm showing. Like I was like a little bit like that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, I was hating LGBT people, like, despite being one. But when I I, I grow up, I'm just oh, I don't care. Why people? <laughs> you know, why I'm hating those things? Yeah, uh, and that's one. You know, something that we have to deconstruct. In, yeah, to learn. Yeah. And it's, I'm I'm not going to spoil the book, but the book I think does a good job of that based on the ending. It shows the time it takes for him to come to terms with certain things Mm -hmm. he wants in his life. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, But real quick, um, we'll go ahead and take our break, our ad break now, and then Mm -hmm. we'll come right back and talk more about Blessed Cure. All right, and we're back. Um, so, like I said, we're going to keep talking about the book, all those types of things, but I kind of wanted to get a little bit more of the um, um, artistic side of it, um, mm-hmm. not just the, the background and things. Um, so the first thing that stuck out to me, and this is the first, I have a list, I just come up with a list of questions and like thoughts I have while I read. Um, and so the first question I, I came up with, because I noticed this very early on, which is obvious, it, it wasn't as obvious to me because I'm dumb, um, but <laughs> the the color palette of the book and the okay. fact that the the blue is male and the pink is female. Like I said, yeah. that took me too long to figure out. I'm not very smart. But, um, <laughs> um, at what point in like the creative process did that become like, oh, this is what I'm going to, like, I'm going to do this. Or did you know that from the get go that like, hey, I want the, it to no, be colored this way? No, that was something that I just started in the middle of initially I wanted it to be like full color but then uh, uh, I heard like a politician who said that oh girls should wear pink boys should wear blue and then it clicked with me you know mm-hmm. and then I started actually doing some research about this because I thought initially that this concept of like blue for men and pink for women is something like the humanity that has always been like this, and been like this for mm, yeah. centuries, and etc. But it wasn't. It was something that was like determined in nineteen twenties or thirties. It's like it's just like one hundred years old. This concept. 
Yeah. And if you look at old paintings, like really old paintings, you're gonna see a lot of like uh, uh, boys wearing dresses, pink dresses, and women, uh, little little girls wearing blue dresses. Like the, this idea of attributing a gender or color is very recent, and this like scared mm-hmm. me because oh my god, I, I always felt like this was something medieval, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it, it almost feels like it almost feels like brainwashing. Yeah, like just it is. From from literally from birth, we're already like putting like we're categorizing things from the second things are born. Like, oh, the newborn baby, you get a blue blanket, you get a pink blanket, mm-hmm. and like it's yeah. so it's so crazy to me. It is, and you decide that oh, if you are a girl, you're gonna play dolls. If you're a boy, you're gonna mm-hmm. play football or soccer, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's all. Set up for if you uh, uh, like a model that you have to follow like, mm-hmm. even and, before you were born. So crazy. Like I mentioned, that's something that it's it starts from the very beginning of the book, and uh, I'll I'll spoil the very first chapter. But um, all those things that we just kind of mentioned are kind of in there, and that Acacio's playing with his I can't remember if it's friend or his cousin or whatever, but they're, he's mm-hmm. playing with a doll, mm-hmm. and he has longer hair and. Even I like how, you know, earlier on his color palette isn't solely blue. And it, it just, I just, it's so, so cool. I love it. Just how it, mm. it reflects his, his, um, uh, mental state and his acceptance of his sexuality. Yeah. Cause when he's a kid, he's like, whatever, I don't, I'm cool with, I'm not, there's nothing that's quote unquote feminine or masculine. It's all just, I'm doing, I will wear what I want, play what I want, all mm-hmm. these things. And then very early on in the story, his dad comes in and is like, no, this is not what you do. And from then on out, it's all blue. And so I just, I really love that. I think it's really cool. And like, it's, it's there from the get go from, from the jump. And it just continues throughout the story. And it's just, it's, it's expounded upon in such good ways. Yes. Because like when we are born, we don't have any of these concepts. Mm-hmm. We're not homophobic by birth. We're not, <laughs> that's something yeah. that people teach to us to do. Yeah, and, and it's not even to be respectful too. Yeah, point. and it's not even explicit teaching. It's just like because you know you have videos of white children who go up to they have super racist parents or whatever, and they go up to a black man. They're just all they love them, and they you know they're all cool with it because they're mm-hmm. a kid. They don't know that, and it's just it's just crazy to see those types of things, and then to know how they how these people end up turning out is just bizarre yes. but um people who, who attack the lgbt community they usually they say they are worried about the kids and, oh my god what the kids are going what i'm going to say to a kid if i see they mm-hmm. see like two men kissing or two women kissing. Mm-hmm. just say those people like each other but yeah move on. exactly <laughs> yeah that's what I, i've watched a tiktok account that um uh-huh. i know i'm on tiktok i shouldn't be but um they um it's this teacher and she talks about like what the conservative people all think that um you say when a child tells you you have two dads and they think you're gonna indoctrinate be like this is the right way but then they're just like no like okay cool you have two dads all right hey look mom and a dad oh that one has two moms oh that one only has a dad and it's just like we all have different things like get over it and Mm -hmm. kids understand that we just force things onto them that just don't don't make sense Mm -hmm. Um, there, there's a couple moments in the story that I, I really wanted to to mention. That um, one of them being, I it's I think it's fairly early on. Um, there's 
a it's two pages and it's really it's repeat it's repeating panels of Mm -hmm. him being spanked and it's just over and over and over and over again and i can't remember exactly because i don't have the book in front of me but if i remember correctly there's some of that color aspect plays in there as well Mm -hmm. and so those like I don't really know if I have a question necessarily, but I just, I don't know if you had thoughts about it or anything, but just those two pages and the repetition, because it's not just repetition on one page. Like I said, it's, it's two whole pages of this being spanked over repeatedly. And it's just, it like ingrains yeah. it in you. And it's just really heavy. Yeah. My intention was to be <laughs> heavy. Yeah. Cause he is just a kid. And he's mm-hmm. like, he, there's uh, I'm like, Telling some spoiler here, but like she asked the doctor, I'm going to thank my child, and then he says, I keep for his own good. Mm-hmm. And I want that scene to be like a, a, a novel movie. You know? I, have, mm-hmm. I want that to have that feeling. Yeah. And then um, the other thing that um, uh, stuck out to me was um, in chapter six, I can't remember the exact. Oh, I have it in front of me. Um, I do have the book. Um, there's two, two in chapter six, there's two double page spreads that you have mm-hmm. of um, there's some electroshock therapy. And then there's another scene where he sees his friend. It, it's who's again, his friend is in that pink and just those mm-hmm. two double page spreads are just, again, they're two things that are really heavy. And so I just really, I, I think I just pointed those two out just because, that the heavy is the best way I can think of to describe them. Like they're both just very like impactful, mm-hmm. I think in a way that like is really good. Bang. You you use those, that space very well. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so oh. that kind of, that, well, yeah, that, and that kind of leads into my question. Like I said, I'm, I'm sorry. Some of these are just thoughts. They're not even, <laughs> but um, so my, my thing was you use the medium of comics very well so why was a comic the way to make this story because you know it could have been uh, something else but i mean i know you've art art is your 2d art is your kind of thing you've been in graphic design been in comics since Mm -hmm. you said 2006 and so like i understand that but like is there anything to you that like made this story best told as a comic um this goes like why i started doing comics you know because it was in the comic books that i i, I saw the first good representation of being gay you know? mm-hmm. and i grew up reading like the x-men i really saw myself in that story and then Wh- later which story x-men the x-men uh um north star no, X-Men in general. Like, I, I really oh, just X-Men in general. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The concept, like the world hates them because they okay. okay. That concept, yeah, like, yeah, really yeah. talks deep into anyone who is part of a minority. And, Sorry. But later, I discovered Love and Rockets by mm-hmm. uh, the Hernandez brothers. And there was a comic book with a, a character that is bisexual and it's called Jesus. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And and also in Sandman by Dylan, uh, there's a lot of LGBT characters there. And like those were the first uh, fresh memories that I have of good 
LGBTQ plus representation, it was in comics. And that's something that really like drive me more into comics. Thinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. a, a therapy session here. But yeah. I always like I, I always draw when since when I was a kid, so that was my my natural thing. Mm-hmm. My call, my my call to the work. Yeah, and I think that was natural to me to do to think of That that makes sense. I I just you know, I I was just wondering. But um, our um, another thing you do in the book really well that um, I think is really interesting is you intercut um certain scenes with um. Like the um, like the years, you intercut them with um, newspaper strips or newspaper like headlines or um, screen captures of of newspaper pages. Mm-hmm. And I, I obviously I can't re- I couldn't read them, but um, you know I, I imagine that they're important. Yeah, um, I imagine that they have to do with um, kind of the history of um, uh, the LGBT cheer. community. Yes, yes. Some of them like the ones that started in the sixties and the seventies. Are I think like the Stonewall, okay, and parades around the world, and, and so it's not world. just um, and, Brazilian. Uh, yeah, and some of them are, uh, are Brazilian because the, the LGBTQ plus movement here in Brazil started only in the eighties. Okay, and so, and so whose whose decision was? I, I imagine were those things that you. Um, there, there are things you knew about, or you mentioned before the research that you did. So, at what point um, did those become part of the story? And was that your idea, or was that um, an editorial decision? Um, who, why did you want to include those with the story? Um, no, it was all my my creation. All, all, all that that's in the book is it's 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 me who made the mm-hmm. call, and I really wanted to. To also add some historical aspect to the story because the story goes from the 60s to to this day to today and so i also want to show people how things are uh, changing through the years also mm-hmm. and how we can have to discuss it discuss uh, <laughs> sorry mm-hmm. uh, through the years the, the evolution of, of the movement itself and I also talk a little a little bit about the military dictatorship here in Brazil because we were persecuted by the military mm-hmm. here. I think that was all a natural part of the, of the creation. And that that's a whole other aspect to the book that um, it's kind of a through line that um, kind of is brought up frequently, especially as you go through the, the early, this, I think like the seventies and eighties and things like that is the, mm-hmm. the kind of the military and the communist, um, you know, they don't want to be seen as, I think they don't want to be seen as communist, mm-hmm. I believe. And so that's a whole other thing that I had no idea about. And so, you know, it's interesting to read that experience um, as I went through the story, because mm-hmm. obviously I had no idea, you know, of, I think I might've heard, you know, tidbits here and there of, you know, some military dictatorship in Brazil, but didn't have any idea like the full um, extent of it um, until like, you know, starting to read this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm sorry, I got back to scrolling through the book again, but um, <laughs> okay. so 
was I know you said that the book was it was all you it was everything you did was was all it's it's your artistic vision but I do want to ask um the book is I I I what how I described it was very NSFW very graphic but not gratuitous it's not just like graphic for the sake of being graphic mm-hmm. um so like you said that was all you but was there any like fear of putting that out either from you or from the people at Soaring Penguin Press or your editors or whoever that like were any was there any pushback on that aspect of it like hey we don't want to put all this in here we don't want to be this sexual or anything like that or is it just they like go for it no they they just go for it there was something like that because before uh, I negotiated the publication with Penguin or Impressed I published it online some mm-hmm. papas and webtoons. And there I have to censor some parts because it's on the internet and you have mm-hmm. all kind of audiences there, even though you, you put like it's mature content, you mm-hmm. never know. So they ask to 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 censor the the, the sexual parts. But mm-hmm. the editors they just went for it. They understood why those things are like that. Yeah. The it's not um it's not something that I put like freely or just to shock people. It's part of yeah. the story. Like I'm talking about sexual orientation. There is going to be some mm-hmm. sex in there. So yeah, I show it. <laughs> yeah, and there's and it's it's another thing in the book that's done really well because um, it's it's showing it's showing all um, Acasio doing different things and then the faces switch. And things like that, and like it kind of goes back to that repetition aspect and uh, using the comics medium really well. And so I think that, like you said, it's not, it's in no way just there for shock value because there's mm-hmm. very easily you could have put just like a huge, and there are other things in the book too that you add that aren't, um, that are more not just literal sex scenes that are also, you know, more metaphorical. Like even on the cover, the cover mm-hmm. is not inherently sexual. But, you know, he's wearing a gag. And um, so there's other things, things like that in the story. Metaphorically, there's the one where he's he's bent over and he's being force fed that the is really mm-hmm. um, shocking, not, not shocking like a bad way, but just like, whoa. And it's it, you can tell the significance of it. And so mm-hmm. I think that kind of I don't I, I don't I don't really know if I have a question again. It's just a <laughs> testament to to your use of the medium and to the um uh, vulnerability of the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so, I, I want to. I, I'm kind of running out of questions here, but um, I, I just, I can't speak enough of like the actual, just like, like I said, the the heart that's in the story, and like, were there any like inspirational sources for you that kind of, um made you other than just being like hey this is a story that i want to see put out there this is where i want to tell because this is my um this is my life um or i've version my you know something that i identify with mm-hmm. was there any other like sources of inspiration or things like that that kind of or people or you know media that kind of helped you to want to make this story that helped to make this story happen um, yeah, like, um, I got the idea to, to create this book in 2013, when a, con- a congressman here in Brazil, he 
he tried to, to approve um, a bill to make these conversion therapies legal in Brazil. Mm. That was the first time that I heard about these things, and then I started researching about it. And then I got the idea that, okay, I can make a comic book about it, and I will talk about the things that I want to talk about it. It will have the message that I want to spread that you're not sick for being gay, for being trans, for being bisexual, for being whatever. Uh, this is not a disease. Like, you know, I want to say that to the world that queer people are not a threat to anyone. They're not threatening families. But actually, destroy families is the homophobia and the transphobia itself. Because that's something that will make parents hate their own children mm-hmm. and expel them from home. Mm-hmm. Just because you can accept your son is queer. And that's what actually destroys families. Like, we are just trying to live our life like anybody else. We just want to be loved. We just want to mm-hmm. have opportunities and etc. cetera. Uh, so that's where this story came from. And an author that really, like, he didn't help me directly, but he was inspiration for me uh, as an artist, is um, a Brazilian cartoonist called Laerte. He's like he's a legendary cartoonist here in Brazil. Uh, he started in the, the 80s, and, but just later in like 2012, 2013, he came out as, as transgender, and it was really shocking to everyone. Oh my God, Laerte is trans! Oh my God, and he 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 was uh, I think he was uh, one of the first persons that brought these issues of gender to the mainstream media here in Brazil. We started talking about these things because of him, you know? Her, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And he, she was, she was a, a big inspiration for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, I lost my train of thought. It's fine. <laughs> um, it's fine. It happens. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit more about your other, um, uh other work both in just in comics in general and in like the the queer community you mentioned before your um uh convention that you ow, I was petting my cat he bit me he started biting so we're done um but he um you you mentioned before that you have your convention um that i i don't want to get the name wrong it's it's poc con right or how do you say that yes pocky uh, the oh, name okay. is not, yeah, it's not uh, people of color like in the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured, I was like, oh. <laughs> It's a slang here in Brazil that's very mm-hmm. similar to, to peg or to queer. Uh, <laughs> because it came from the, the noise that high heels make when you walk. Okay. It was used to, to offend like more feminine guys, uh, trans guys, mm-hmm. and the women, and drag women. Uh, but now, these days, we are using this term that we're using, people use to offend us, like as mm-hmm. as an affirmation of our identity. Yeah, taking and, taking it back. Yes, so it's called popcorn because of that. Okay, and so like, what have you? What, what kind of what what have you gotten out of that experience of of being the the creator and like one of the people running that convention? Like, what is that? How has that impacted you as a as a creator yourself? Oh my God, uh, it changed my life because 
like I said, when back in 2013, I was like the only open gay author here in Berlin. So through the years, more and more people came out of the closet and appeared new, new, new talents that were opening queer people. And it, that's stuck in my head, like, oh, I can do a confession all these people to say to the world, hey, we're here, because usually in this convention, uh, we don't have, like, uh, the same, like, like, how can I say, like, the same opportunities that straight mm-hmm. authors have, you know? Yeah. Don't always calls for, for as guests to, to this these conventions, we are not like the, the headline of a thing or something yeah. like that. And by gathering every, everyone together, we can, an idea was to show our strength. And it was like the best thing that I think that I have done in my life because the energy of this, this event is so good. It's so good. Like every queer author who, who shows who attempts on, on these conventions, we go through like things that are not um, not nice, you know, because not all the audience there uh, understand these things. You know, and usually when I went to some big convention, like I had some parents, they are there with their children, and when they see that my comic books are, are talking about the issues, they just grab the children. Mm. <laughs> you know, these kind of things happen. I, I also heard that my comic books sell because oh my god there's two men kissing there mm-hmm. oh my god and yeah. I started dealing with these things and my convention is like it's completely free of these things you know, everybody is happy there the public that goes there is they they understand these issues they they are interested in in comic books made by queer people mm-hmm. so it's a whole different energy and it's it's mm-hmm. so nice like it's the best day of the year for have you have you gotten a lot of pushback on that from like you know from like like I don't know protesting or anything like that? Is there have there been a lot of people who have you know been um been opposed the the convention or has um, it been mostly for I mean obviously there's going to be some people who don't like it but have the, has it been for the most part smooth sailing? So far, the people who who, who talk this this kind of thing they just don't go to the events like mm-hmm. yeah like. They're just far away from us. So, so far, we didn't have uh, any problem with, uh, with this because, uh, like I said, the people who, who, who go to, to the to PokeCon, they, they just understand what the, the, the convention is about. So, mm-hmm. the energy is better because of that, actually. And we don't have any, any anything like that yet. But I know if, when the convention gets bigger and bigger, this kind of thing mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I, I, I was just curious, like, to see what kind of, um, you know, I, I can just because I can just picture things like that happening here and it not going over super well. Mm-hmm. So I was just, just curious how that <laughs> experience has gone for you. Um, and there's one other question that I have that um, I wrote down. It's not it's not necessarily related, so it's it's going to be off topic. But um, I am interested. Um, you have done editing for, um, if I got this correctly, you've edited work for Bone by Jeff Smith, 
yeah for um love and rockets as well which is interesting saying that because you said that that was um i think both those are interesting one because love and rockets you said that was um very inspirational to you because you there is a bisexual character in that but Mm -hmm. also bone because bone is so huge and bone is like so big and famous and everything Mm -hmm. and like so you've worked on and so is um love and rockets and so you've worked on two very big properties as an editor um like what all how are you involved into those projects and um how did those prepare you for um writing comics and how did they help you as a writer as a creator yes oh that's how i started my career in in the publishing industry you know and i got a job at at a a publisher called via letter here in brazil and it was like a dream come true like i I graduated in graphic graphic design I wanted to work in editorial, magazines, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I realized that I, what I really wanted to do was comics. But first, I got a job at a comic book pub- publisher, and they published Loving Rockets, Watchmen, and uh, and Bone in Brazil. Like it was like a dream come true to me. I yeah. also edited, okay. and what I did there was like the lettering books and some editing sometimes I suggested something here and there with the translation etc so like editing like lettering like translations no I, like the there was a some some oh, okay. Got it. Book, and I yeah. I do the graphic thing like yeah yeah, yeah. put the book together and got it, got it, got it, got it. and it's easy to to print you know that was my job and I also edited some Brazilian books in this publisher, mm-hmm. like from from the scratch, not just translating the book. Yeah, which is uh, something a little bit different. And it was like a school for me because later I used everything that I learned there to publish my own books, my own comic books. Um, that's awesome. I, I like I said, I was just amazed to see like you you worked on such big things for especially for someone who is just starting out in comics that's mm-hmm. really cool um it's really interesting to see um were there any specific um lessons that you think you learned that you um like have direct that are memorable to you or that stick out more like technical things like how to prepare mm-hmm. the book to the print to be printed and things like that is what i learned there and because most of, most of the job was to work on books that are already done. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get to, to publish something from scratch, like to, to deal with the author and send some suggestions about this, about that, etc. But it was mostly technical about how to, to get a book done. Yeah. I, I think that's completely valid because like there's, I definitely have the same thing where I've like lettered one page comics here and there for someone I've been like oh like I learned this new technique like now I can do that all the time like recently mm-hmm. I learned how to um, convert a shape to a work path in Photoshop and then I can mm-hmm. do a I can't remember oh I learned how to like take pieces out of it, it was, and so I like that's changed up my lettering game and now I'm like <laughs> using that all the time so I, I I'm totally with you there um so at the very oh so um that's all I have but I do like to end every interview with um two questions um the first one is the one I ask everyone um, what's a one of the best pieces of life advice that you've learned? 
Oh, that's deep. <laughs> oh my god. The best advice is I want you to care for them. Let me think. First thing that comes to your mind. It doesn't have to be the best one ever, just the first thing that you think of. <laughs> oh, there's something that my father's my father said to me that learn to to dance conforming the sound, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to, to you adapt yourself to, to situations. That was something yeah. that I, I carry with me. Yeah, that's that's nice. Um, and then um, the last question, I always ask a random question just to end it, just to <laughs> end on a light note. Um, I don't know if you're into physical activity, exercise or not, but if you had to pick something, um, what would you consider like your ideal or your favorite type of exercise? Oh, I Hiking, love... weightlifting weights, what? Biking. I, I practice a lot, a lot of sports, but I think my favorite is swimming. Swimming? Yes, really. Okay. And volleyball, too. I don't play volleyball. volleyball. I was going to say, volleyball is like low-key like my favorite thing to do, but I can't, I don't want to play because like half the time, I don't know if this happens in Brazil, too, but I, I assume it does. I assume it happens. That people are the same everywhere, I assume. Mm-hmm. But um, like I've noticed like people who like play pickup games of sports they take it too seriously for me. Like I'm a very competitive person, but, and I really want to win, but some people like who just play like little games of volleyball or basketball or whatever, they just take it way too serious. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to get into that. And they complain like, Oh, you fouled or you didn't, you broke the rule. You did this. Wrong. I'm like, I don't, I'm just here to have fun. I want to win, but I'm just here to have fun. So that's why I don't play competitive sports anymore, uh-huh. but I'm with you on volleyball. I'm, I'm with you on that one. That's low key. Um, one of the favorite things. Um, but like I said, Mario, that's all I have for you. Um, where can people find you and Blessed Cure online? Well, they can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, it's Mask Mario M A S underline T U E underline Mario uh, on on both networks, and they can find find Blessed Cure on the website of Pentecostal Press. I think there's an account from from like a pre-sale of the book, if mm-hmm. you want to, you can get it there on Penguin Storing Press website. Okay, and yeah, I I need to start linking that underneath, but um, I hopefully I'll remember to do that. I probably won't. It's fine. Um, as always, you can find Foreign Press Comics at F Press Comics on Twitter, Foreign Press Comics on Instagram and Facebook, and ForeignPressComics.com where you can subscribe to our email list and um. I don't like doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and like it and uh, leave a rating, all those types of things. Leave a five star. It doesn't hurt you. And all it does is make me look good. So go ahead and do that. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, Mario, that's all I have for you. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I really love it.